0: What's up, Spell Slingers? My name is Gary and John Wells. I'm Drew Flippy. And I'm Corey Janabagian. And this is Untap, Upkeep, Drink. Beer up. Welcome back, guys. It is the year of plenty 2020. We're gonna wrap <laughs> this year up. Uh, I think we're we're going off. You've the- already had too much to drink. I've <laughs> had much, too much to drink. We are chilling, hanging out. It's the holidays. We're enjoying each other. I mean, enjoying no- each other's company. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, let's draw some lines here. <laughs> Getting weird. All right. Can I can I at least have my water, please? Like I, I need of to course, sober up. Yep. Um, but I think we're gonna go through, we kind of are going impromptu for these last couple couple of episodes because we just wanted to talk more conversationally about Magic the Gathering. Plus we had some beers that weren't necessarily thematically tied to anything but we just really well, wanted to dip into them. They're a lot more celebratory than what yeah, a lot yeah. of the other ones have been. So this is kind of a holiday episode, kind of a year-end episode and and more just like, you know, one last rip before we start a series of how to play videos. So we're going to be talking about mana bases specifically what you need for your mana base in EDH versus other more uh, streamlined, traditional, traditional formats. like More of higher Faster formats. Yeah, exactly. So, today we decided that we would do one beer, but just one of the larger celebratory beers that we've had stashed away. This here is called... Mother of Dragons. It's a special one. Special Game of Thrones Royal Reserve Collection. It's a smoked porter and crike ale blend. It says, a beer for Daenerys. A blend of delicately smoked porter and tart cherry crike. Brewed for those who nurture the dragon. Ooh. So it's 6%. Sorry, 6.6? 6.6. Yep, 6.6. And it's brewed by Omegang Brewery. Uh, But yeah, so this is... The Omegon
1: collection, there's I mean, there was originally four, and then they kept on making them. And right now we have four and we're gonna keep collecting them. But this is the first of them that we're opening up because it was the first one that I actually got.
0: Yeah, the label's already starting to wear on us. So Yeah,
1: it's been dipping into in storage it. for way too long. And I was like, we need to crack into this because we've
0: been sitting around for a long time. And just so we're aware before we dip in to get a taste of this. Uh, like we had on a previous episode just recently. This is dark beer that's supposed to have the flavors of cherries. So let's see uh, what we've got going on here. Mary Chrysler. Ooh, that's some tart cherries.
1: And smoky, and the butter gets lost in the the first taste there. Uh, On the the nose, you can definitely have that tart cherry, and I'm pretty sure that we've literally had the tart cherry crack from Omagong. Ages ago. I don't know if it ever actually made an episode. Yeah, we had it. And it was pretty damn good and we all
0: appreciated it. I don't know. To me, I get the tart. I get that almost like cranberry style sour. Like it's almost a pucker dry sour. Oh, yeah. It's dry as hell. Uh, And then it almost kind of blends in with the fungally porter. It's not like mm, I use use fungal fungal, all the time. It's (laughs) not malt. It's. More nutty. Earthy. Earthy. Yeah. Getting a lot of yeah. those
2: flavors mixed in with just the tartness from the cherries. Yeah. I think it's it's a good blend. Yeah. I think the cherry kind of overpowers it, but not in a bad way. I think it's, it's different.
0: I like it, but I'm not 100% sold on... This being Daenerys's choice. Yeah, I was gonna trick. ask that. Like, yeah. is this? I feel like this should have had the, the mother of dragons, the know? Cayenne, or you know, no, s- just no. like no. a Don't hint do a of pepper s- beer. Oh, you should have done terrible. a pepper beer, bro. It should have no. been <laughs> just a wee bit spicy.
1: No, I feel like this should have been like a nice bright note beer, which it does have, but not quite what you expect. Like the Stark beer, you'd want to be like dark and like fruity and kind of.
2: I think this one needed to be like a really really powerful like. Red ale. Yeah. Or
0: something. something. Like that. I don't know. She spent so much time on Quarth and in this fucking sea of grass with the dothraki that I feel like That's why you need something overpowering. Yeah. Just punch it's, in it the needs face to have of like
1: flavor. The strong flavor. I don't think cherry's the flavor for it. I think I honestly feel like Habanero. She's a hop girl. Something that has like the bright kind of not tropical, but
0: I mean, if we could ever get Amelia on the show, we could ask her what she thinks. But what I think is that it we, should have been something spicy or harsh. We need to, her to take one of those Facebook quizzes. What kind of beer are you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I think this is good beer though. Well rounded, certainly drinkable. I mean, this is this is like I always joke about bombers being beers that you share. This
1: is literally like a wine bottle. Like this, it's yeah, a fifth. It's seven hundred fifty mils, pretty sure. It's
0: like this is.
2: Literally. It's a big boy. Yeah. We're a big girl.
0: (laughs) Uh, And for this episode, we do have a special guest who wanted to say hello to all the fans out there and wish everybody a happy 2020 and happy holidays. So I'd like to invite the... One and only. The one and only budding MTG Pro Tour (laughs) next world champion. (laughs) World champion. His name is Oliver John Wells. It's my seven-year-old son. What's up, bud?
3: Well, I'm just here. Well, hi. Um...
0: You got to get on the mic, bro. (laughs) Tell me, how long have you been playing Magic?
3: Well, I don't really know how long, but I'm starting to learn how to do it. Trying to get into Commander. Um, I have some decks, um, and they've been updated a few times.
0: What's your favorite card right now?
3: Uh, probably, um, Vivian Archibald Arc- Ranger and my... She, she's a good one. Uh... Yeah,
0: dude opens up in his first pack. Green and,
3: uh, what deck? Green and,
0: uh, it has got a little Golgari deck going on he likes. Green and black.
3: Yeah. Yep. Have a happy holidays of magic. All right.
0: Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Ollie. Thanks for Ollie. coming on. So, we're going to be talking mana bases now. Specifically, the difference between EDH and traditional formats like standard so i think probably the best thing to do is to start out with some baseline numbers of what we're talking about when we talk about your mana base uh in edh obviously you have a larger deck and so you're going to need a larger land count than you would in standard or modern
2: i think a lot of people usually go for like a ratio and i think it's 30 percent yeah 30 30. to like 33 percent of your deck you want to be lands yeah. Depend- depending depending a- on
1: what kind of strategy you're running, it's like yeah. thirty to forty percent of your yeah, deck is yeah. lands.
2: And obviously land matters decks have more and lower the ground colored, decks lower to ground. have less. So it's we there's guidelines, but then there's exceptions and millions of weird little things you can do and choices that you make in the whole deck that might justify running more or less lands.
0: Yeah, I think the big thing too is knowing what your mana base is and knowing why you chose it that way and so maybe you mulligan differently because of that or play differently because of those odds and so the the important thing to know about your mana base is that you need to know your mana base like it it seems like such a basic thing that you should just it's basic has lands uh, and you just shouldn't even care about but like it's so fundamental to playing the deck that you just you really have to be cognizant of it as you're building and as you're playing yeah, it's easy
1: in every single format to want to play more spells and just cut lands. But we we kind of is almost like made a meme out, out of it by now. It's just like don't cut your lands. Like you need to have your critical threshold to play your deck consistently. And finding that is difficult, right? Like you look at a mono red deck in you know a standard format, and I can run twenty lands in that, all mountains, and. Every single time I have my lands, I know exactly what I'm able to do with my deck.
0: It's also easier for colors like blue or green to justify swinging their lands one way or the other because of the way that they can get two mana. So with with the ability to draw much more cards than the other colors, blue is able to get to those lands should it need to. And green obviously has such good acceleration that sometimes... If you want more land or more mana, it's just so easy to do that. And if you feel like you want to do more creature based, you can do that as well. You know, what right? I mean?
1: But I feel like that's very different in a like EDH Commander variant versus in like a standard Pioneer Modern because you're not putting, generally speaking, not putting ramp cards into those sixty card format right. decks because that's like that's a waste of a of a turn. Yeah, of a spell when but your you opponents actively killing you. do have to
0: consider you. your mana dorks as part of your mana base in some way.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just think in the sixty card one v one formats, a mana dork is a lot more useful because it's so combat focused. Yeah. As opposed to just a ramp spell. Yeah. Because sometimes a Lanor Elf is also a one one that attack. might tax. Yeah, just a blocker or with just one damage, it might save you.
0: So it's easy to sort of determine your ratio of how many lands you should be playing, especially if you're going on kind of the baseline of 30%. That's a pretty easy equation to fill out. It gets a bit more dicey when you've got more colors involved than just a monocolor. You have to decide which color gets the most focus and why. And you really need to focus on... I mean, obviously, there's the expense side of it. What can you afford? But also, what can you afford for the play of your deck? Like, obviously, there are some decks that maybe can't afford to play tap lands, and there are definitely some decks that cannot. Um, How do you guys go about determining your colors and and what the ratio of colors are? Uh, Step one,
1: look at the percentage of cards, like colored pips on my cards, like overall in the colored mana for my cards. Not cards versus cards. Actual colored symbols required to cast those cards.
2: Yeah, it's it's pretty tedious, and this is how I used to do it. Just counting, literally just counting, spreading out all the cards and just counting pips, and then we've been using a lot of, like, deck stats and tap down. And that makes tools it really like easy. That, they make it so much easier. Because yeah. you can actually see just exact percentages and it divides everything by colors. Yeah,
1: and the other way is uh, trying to figure out where in my curve those colors are actually at yeah because like if i've got like a six drop that's two green pips and then like a four drop that's one and then the rest of my deck is like primarily blue but that's where like the green actually starts to pick up then i can actually push off how much green i need in the deck
0: because it's a little safe
1: because yeah because i'll get to it later Yeah. yeah yeah i think like a really good example of that is niv mizzet yeah niv mizzet is a six drop the likelihood of playing niv mizzet on turn six even in commander is actually just pretty low because of that mana cost requirement and your ability to have perfect mana at that stage.
2: Yeah, the really strong decks are either always on curve or always ahead of their curve. And just being on curve or ahead of your curve and in the colors that you need, it gets harder and harder the wider your land base is and the more colors you have. Yep. That's the reason why fetch lands become so important, yeah. uh, especially like in Commander,
1: because Commander, we have the privilege of. Every single fetch land, every single dual land, shock land, like tap do land, basic land, whatever you want, we
0: have access to. And Well, you have the privilege of that and you have the disadvantage of not being able to run four of us. So you can't have four of each shock land or four of each dual. Right, but we don't you have to be able to run into your colors. Right, but to
1: make up for that, we have access to every single fetch land, whereas yeah. you could do that in you know modern something like that, but you start to lose out after a certain point. Whereas in Commander, you can literally run what is it like nine fetch lands, something like that for a four colored deck, and then you know obviously your numbers go down to a certain point. But you can run every single one that gets you either of your colors, and it's still going to be enough. If you especially if you have you know the shock lands to go with that, or yeah. the whatever the other dual land mixes happen to be, and that'll still work out for you, or You know, you run, like, Evolving wild and stuff, and that's still good enough to get you where you're going. Yeah. Because it's not just, like, being able to fetch for the land, but be able to get the color you need for your situation.
2: Yeah, and I think in EDH, we have the luxury of, if somebody says, oh, I'm ramping, it's like, okay, no big deal. Like, everyone ramps. Like, that's what a lot of people just spend their first couple turns, just building their board state, developing. It's like, I'm just going to ramp. I'm just going to Kodama's Reach Pass. Like, it's just an unspoken rule that everyone's just going to do it, and it, nobody bats an eye at it.
0: Yeah, but to see someone in a one-on-one format pass the turn with just a ramp spell—that's the tempo advantage that most decks need. And all it takes is that one turn off to just run them over. Yeah. Um, so I would say that's one of the bigger differences in EDH versus. Yeah, you actually play ramp spells. Like, there's well, it's you not have to say the that time. there's not. Yeah, yeah. It's not to
1: say that there's not time to play those in other formats because obviously you look at Standard and there's a reason why Field of the Dead was banned. Yeah. And then in Pioneer, again it was banned. You know, Modern had some decks that were like hard ramp decks. I and mean, stuff. Prime Time yeah. he, he's pretty hard ramp. <laughs> and there's a lot, of, a lot of decks that would want that if it didn't take a turn off for doing so. Yeah. Like you have to have so much added value on top of the fact that you're getting your lands in order for that to work in those formats.
2: Yeah, a 1v1 clock is so much faster than a multiplayer clock because you are probably not the threat right from the get-go. And so you have time to play these ramp spells, to play lands that come in tapped and just these slower ones. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny. Like, you you think about
1: that, and Gary and I, uh, a couple weeks ago, were playing 1v1.
2: little French commander? Yeah,
1: and we are just like playing it, and it was just like, holy shit. It feels so different, not just because the, the life totals were changed, but just like I don't have the time to to set up.
0: Well, like, you are coming at me and the next, and yeah, or not aggro made all the time to do that either. Like I, the first three turns, I had stuff. I'm like, man, if we were playing four person commander, this would be a great hand. I was like, I, I'm gonna do nothing, pass the turn, uh one v one. It feels really weird because. When you think about it, your clock is way faster, but so is your opponent's. Like you look at them, you go, "Any time they take off is the time I smell blood," and so you just you don't want to wait. You know what I mean? You don't want to spend that yeah. turn. You'd rather play a two or a three drop and be able to attack.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny, Gore. Uh, You've mentioned before that like standard is a is a combat based yeah, format. More aggro. Yeah, like there's definitely like control strategies and yeah. combo right. and mill and all that other stuff that's potentially there, but, but most of most of the decks out there, you're killing your opponent via combat damage and combination of burn. And, and like that's how you win. Like that's just how those games play one way or another. And you do everything you can either to mitigate your opponent doing that or to accelerate the clock that you're putting on your opponent. And I think yeah. that that's also really big in how you build your deck and how you influence your lands because every single land that you play has to matter at that point in time. Yep. Whereas in EDH, we have, again, like, the privilege and the time to be able to dilute our mana bases with the utility lands that are colorless that do something else. But if you do that in Modern, you do that in standards. like, that's basically taking a turn off if you play a land, and you need that colored land at the same time. Like, having a colorless land on turn one, two, or three in Standard, Modern, and Pioneer is so impactful to your opponent just because it's like, oh, well, they're not... Playing, you know, those heavy yeah, pick it's like, cards. I
2: already feel ahead because yeah, of
1: it's this. like yeah, they can use that for colors, but if they have I don't know, say you're playing the mono blue deck, you never would want a utility land Ooh. in that deck because your your big payload is the gin. And you
2: need the island specifically to continue yeah, to pump that especially that card, that's card's a unique build around because it cares only about basic islands. And so it's hard for me to justify running other cards in that pioneer deck. Because I need basic islands to help beef that up, any well, consistent basic islands,
0: even just tap lands, are basically the same thing. Like in limited, you're going to take some amount of these, like scry lands or things like that. If, if simply good because for color simply because you have to, you yeah, because you don't have any other options. But once you go into constructed, you cannot take that turn if you have a, a handful of red in an is it deck and one <laughs> blue and a duel that's a tap land, you're fucked. you taking a turn off that you did not want to take a turn off, especially in these aggressive decks when your turn one, two, and three are basically the game. Yeah, I feel like for most
1: decks, taking turn one off is fine. Yeah. And that's the only time you want to play tap land. And, like, yeah, the mono-red decks are a little bit different in that and that they have, like, you know, six to eight one-drops that are realistically, you know, good to go on turn one. And so it's like, well, I guess I... Start on turn two like everyone else, which really starts to feel bad in a deck where you're like Well, I just I could have gone in and punched face But I just didn't have the card to do it
0: playing those tempo decks. It's so hard Well, I don't want to call it a temple deck uh, aggro decks That one turn like those turns one two and three are where you Peek out and go at, and get ahead of your opponent. You got to get two four six eight damage in those three turns starting on turn two you're already like, man, I just gave this guy a free fucking turn, and that's the only advantage I have, because all of my stuff is less impactful than this other player.
1: Yeah, individually they are, and you, it's because you have to to race. So every yeah. single land that you play matters so much. You know, it's like we were talking about playing in the uh, Pioneer, the mono Red deck, whether or not it was worth playing the... like Ramanap. Well, not Ramonap, because Ramonap I think is worth playing, but the one from El Drain, the Dwarven Mines or whatever oh, it is. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, is that card worth playing? And you think about it, it's like, well, I need three mountains. Okay, that's fine. But it comes in tapped if you don't have those, which means that you need to play it on turn four or later, which if you got on turn four or later, great. If you have it any other time, it's yeah, no, it hurts. It doesn't give you the, the creature and comes in tapped. I was gonna say, and that's it's the like,
0: big thing. It's not like a mutavault. It's not a man land in the way that like you can tap it over and over or dump mana into it to create it. It's the one time, and if you don't hit it, you don't get it, and it's tapped. It's like you lose tempo and the value of the creature.
1: Yeah, with yeah with that, it's like the the big reward versus like the heavy heavy loss. Yeah, and so I it's funny because like the blue one, I think is the only one you take the risk on for that. Just because if you're playing blue and you're playing, you know, instant sorceries, having it come in tap, like, you're probably playing around that anyways to, to have, like, limited mana that you're playing, whether, you know, for counter spells or, like, cheap creatures or whatever it happens to be if you're playing tempo. But, like, as soon as you have that third one, like, that's going to get you the advantage that you need, which is to have an extra spell as a free draw, essentially.
2: Yeah, the, I think because of this, people see the blue and as the best one. because yeah, sure. You sure. It's the only one where would be like, yeah, I can take that risk. The other one was like, nah. It's, I it's just can't not, even like, put that in my deck. Yeah, even A the one, black one. Dwarf, dwarf. Yeah. Nah. Well, even the black one, which is
1: great. Like it's it's close to Grave Digger, just on yeah. land. And I think the extra bonus on them is that they do have the land types. So like in the formats where you are fetching for land types, yeah. you know it matters. But at the same time, it's like okay, we're not getting that in Pioneer. We're not getting that in the Standard. Those don't really matter.
0: But because tempo isn't an issue pretty much at all in Commander. In the way that these other formats... Well, right. You don't is. play
1: aggro. You don't play tempo decks in... I mean, like, there's Voltron. And, like, theoretically, there are aggro decks. But it's it's just strictly not the same pace and the same structure as what the other ones are. Because you still do have time to ramp and to miss land drops. But in 60-card formats, you
2: don't. Yeah, I think EDH, in a lot of ways, is just a lot more forgiving in this way both with the spells you can run and just the mana bases and how people build their decks. Yeah, and kind of in
1: tune with that as well as the actual lands that we're able to run in EDH. Like, we have, yeah, we're limited to one of. Yeah. Right? But at the same time, as far as, like, duels are concerned, we have the OG duels. We have...
0: They're good. Lands, They're pretty good.
1: Battle <laughs> lands, right? The BFC uh, ally-colored lands. We've yep. got the bicycle lands from cat. Dope. And then, although they're not technically dual lands... They still have, you know, the the colors and some, you know, perk on them, whether they come in tapped or whatever. But we've got pain lands, scry lands, check lands, uh, the bond lands. I guess technically we've got the the tainted lands. It's kind of like in the check land regions. Man lands, fast lands, reveal lands, filter lands. And then if you need to, you've got the bounce lands and the tap lands. Like you have such an array of what you can do for your mana base. Whereas in... Standard, especially. Like, hey, what have we got in the past couple cycles? Uh Tap lands and basic lands and, hey,
2: finally got shock lands again. Too bad they're rotating out soon. Yeah, it's, if you play standard or keep up with these rotating formats, it's, you basically buy a set of the lands that come out and run those until you cannot run those. Yeah, you run the best of you run. You yeah, you make the deck as highly tuned as you can until it switches and then you make... The next highly tuned deck. Well, we can just sort of chill and just, we can run tap lands and then upgrade them over time. Be like, oh, hey, I pulled the shock. I can throw it in there. It's like, invested in these fetches. I can run them.
0: And one of the things you can do, because uh, spoilers are now past tense, we're past Christmas here. Uh, you can do like me and my family kind of do, where... There's no rush, you know what I mean. Like it's eternal, so we kind of like gift each other some of the more expensive cards as things go on. You know, you get a fetch for your birthday, you get a you get a duel for your you get a dope Christmas present. You know, oh, I was gonna say, or you dope ass a judge promo soul ring. Yeah, and I mean that that's another quote unquote luxury that commander players have, where it's not you're not working against the clock of a rotating format where you just you have to get them and play them as as much as you can before they're gone. They're just there, you know commander just has uh, I almost said the best mana base but
1: and there's a reason why pioneer has those fetches banned right like it's a very conscious decision by Watsi to limit what we're able to do in pioneer and it's because otherwise we would have those mana bases that we could just run four color good stuff
2: yeah it's not that they neutered a lot of mana bases it's that they steered the design direction away from making those certain decks a lot more powerful yeah, it's just they they become easier to run because you're able to
1: just get your colors more consistently. And like that's the most important thing that dual lands do is that like everyone's like, Oh, dual lands, you know, like they're so so powerful and just like the dual lands are great and they are powerful, but it's the fetches that are like the actual powerhouses because they allow you to find the dual land that you need in your situation. Like dual lands, don't get me wrong, they're they are the most powerful lands in magic. OG duels are just the best. But Having the fetches makes it so that you can get to them when you need them, the colors you need them, and like the ha- gives you that selection that otherwise you just don't have because otherwise it's just the luck of the draw.
0: Yeah, I think the banning of the fetch lands also was a an introductory price point kind of thing. They wanted to make sure this format would succeed, and if and then they'll unban them later. No, no. <laughs> no. If, no. If, if the fetch lands are banning. legal, then every deck runs them, even two and three color decks. Because of what it does. It's just fast and consistent. Uh, and if you're even running four copies of your fetches, it costs you twice as much for your entire deck as it would without them. Yeah, and so I mean, even now the cheapest your decks fetch like, are just expensive,
1: period. Yeah, the cheapest fetch is like 15 bucks for a, a used
2: copy. Yeah, so I think... Heavily. Getting rid of the fetches makes it... I think just that alone just sets it apart from modern. Because if yep. we had the fetches, then it would it would really just be
0: it more would, modern. It would, yeah,
2: it would feel a lot more like modern.
0: Especially on my wallet. Yep. <laughs> uh, we don't play modern anymore. <laughs> do you guys want to dip back into this beer and see where, see where it's at? I feel like I know where it's at. So to me, it doesn't feel like this beer has evolved a whole lot in the last 30 or 40 minutes that we've been talking. It still feels very tart. A little dry and still very much a porter. I mean it's got this earthy malty undertone. It's like
1: if you took like the most generic flavors of porter and you're like, hey, what if we also just threw in this cherry beer? This dope ass cherry beer. And like the cherry beer is dope, but it just I feel like it just doesn't add enough to make this worth the price point of this beer.
2: Yeah, it is kind of underwhelming in that it it really is just generic with some cherry.
0: It's really sweet.
2: Yeah, I like the cherry aspects of it, but I think I was, I think our expectations were a lot higher for sure, which does not bode well
1: for what's to come. <laughs>
2: yeah, this is number one. I'm
1: a I'm a big fan of this one. Yeah, I figured you would be, but it a just, lot
0: of the things that tick my boxes. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Fruit.
1: Yeah, I just want yes. <laughs> I want more sweet. out of the the porter flavors. Like it's just I don't know it is supposed to be a smoked porter with the the crack blend, and it's. Sure, don't, a, I don't get any smoke. That's yeah, for sure. I'm just getting some some maltiness and then some cherries, a little bit of sourness.
0: Oh my gong, get your shit together. We need some complexity. Uh, I voted it for beer of the show. I mean, yeah, yeah, I second it. I veto. <laughs> <laughs> veto. <laughs> no, I think it's a pretty good beer. The problem is the price point. Like obviously, yeah, I think obviously, it's what, branded, and that's the big problem. Like yeah. when you buy something with the name Game of Thrones on it, and also go, like
1: like the price point in Utah is just higher. Well, that's true too, but uh, no, I think that the if it hadn't been for the price, I'd be like, yeah, this is great. But the <laughs> fact that it's like weighing on the back of my head the entire time is just like, <laughs> damn, I spent oh, wow, money I spent. S- it's not just money; like it's a fair
2: chunk of change. Could
1: have bought a
0: fetch for
2: <laughs> literally. <laughs> you know, you have a problem when you. <laughs> Measure things and <laughs> fetches. <laughs> 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 <It's> like, <laughs> how much? How much of a dual
1: This twenty percent of a duel. Lunch
0: for the week. I can get a fetch. So I think the big takeaway on mana bases as a whole is that you have to build it with your format in mind, and you have to build it with your deck in mind.
1: Whoa! It sounds super obvious, but at the same time, it's really hard.
0: And it's really not. You know what I mean? Like, it, it feels obvious, but like you said, it, your first instinct, especially in Commander, is to be like, oh, this new card, I could cut a land. Yeah. Uh, don't do that. Yeah, I think that when it
1: comes to, like, general deck building, when I'm playing standard, I always have 24. That's my number, right? And I can go up or down based on what I'm doing, but I always start at 24 and then figure out, okay, am I playing an aggressive, you know, like, red-white deck? Okay, I can cut down to 22, playing mono-red. I can play 20. I can maybe play 18 but i'm gonna play 20
2: yeah and so we sort of just touched on that earlier just watching your curve at the same time as you build your base
1: and i think online tools make just that so much easier right like on arena you see that which is yeah. great and it even does the color differentiation yeah for you. and
2: it just it'll autofill land and balance your colors and stuff like that it's really yeah. it's a really good tool but i think that it also kind of hurts newer players because it just like you know does that like
1: Baby step four Yeah, it's,
2: it will just throw twenty four and be like, you don't, don't, don't mess with your lands. Just stick with yeah. twenty four. Which, I, yeah, I think it sort of just stunts the growth. Yeah, because of, of deck building, you do have to make those hard decisions. Because twenty four is great,
1: and like the way the arena splits your land is usually pretty good. But making that decision, like, okay, I'm playing, you know, a green deck that has land oils or whatever in it, so I can cut some of my green as long as I don't cut it to the point where i'm never going to get it in my opening hand so i can play those ramp cards like that's where you have to like figure out where the line is and that comes from experience you have to be able to play that and know okay this is what i've experienced over and over again and it's not just like oh i experienced this one time we're not talking about bias we're talking about like actual statistical evaluation playing the deck enough times to recognize when you can cut and why knowing the why is so important
2: yeah and then That gets increasingly difficult when you are playing 60 card formats and run four ofs because then your statistics are all over the place. While in singleton formats, every card is the same statistic. And But I think that the best and worst part about Magic is that there's no wrong or right way to build decks and you can literally do anything you want. You can run 59 lands in one spell and just you'll probably lose but you can do that. But you can just Keep tweaking your deck and improving it just over add time. One
3: spell every <laughs> <time>. <laughs>
2: play it 60 times. But you can just say I went up to twenty-five lands, but I kept drawing lands, so I'm gonna go down to twenty-three. Yep. Or like I've got twenty-two and I still kept getting mana flooded, I'm gonna go down to twenty. And then just vice versa, just keep moving around. Just like updating your decks with better cards. You can just do the same thing with your lands in any format. Yeah, and talking talking about like experience,
1: it doesn't just have to be your experience. And I think that that's something that is really good about the Magic community. Yeah, is that everybody's been mana fucked, everybody's been you know flooded, and it's just like you have those experiences and you have that just like impulse to just like, okay, I got mana fucked this game, I'm cutting lands, you know, I'm gonna run it that way. But just because you get mana fucked once or mana flooded once doesn't mean you can just cut it. You have to be able to say, okay, statistically, how often is that actually going to happen? Probably not very often. When it comes to getting mana flooded and mana screwed, you remember the times when it was the most impactful to fuck you over. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't really recognize it when, like, you know, you're mana flooded and you still win, or you're mana flooded and it doesn't really matter. Like, you recognize it when it causes you to lose a game or when it feels like it was the cause for you to lose the game.
2: Yeah, and I know everyone says this, but your mana base is the most important part of your deck. Like, the spells are the most fun part and the best part, but building your mana base impacts the spells and vice versa.
1: You need mana to play spells. Yeah. We're kind of like, I don't I don't want to say like oversimplifying it, but at the same time, like, <laughs> we really are. There's so much more that goes into the ideas and strategies that go into it. Like, we're generalizing a lot for EDH and for... 60 card, yeah. four of formats. And I think that it kind of opens up the opportunity for us to go into, especially with EDH, talking about like single color decks versus two color decks, three color, four, and five, and what that actually looks like as far as the actual lands that you're putting in, what your like mana requirements are versus the mana producers.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's so easy. It's much easier in EDH to start considering creatures and Artifacts as part of your mana base. Yeah. Because, again, you have that time. And so, especially with your 3, 4, and 5 colors, uh, I, I think we'll probably eventually get to it, but there's so much more you should think about and how do you find a way to create that mana fixing and that mana acceleration while also having some sort of other synergies with what you're doing. Yeah, I think all this... Just
2: It just comes from experience, like Drew was saying. And like if you just go back a couple years and look at our decks, oof, they were bad. <laughs> yeah, I... Oh, God. I just remember, like,
1: it was all of the 28 lands in 70-card decks. That was, like... Because I just couldn't figure out how the Good fuck to, to cut it down to 60 cards and 24. So I had, you know, that extra... I was, like, always 40%. That was where I was at, you know? Yeah. But it was, like, God, like, how...
3: <laughs> Looking back now, I'm just like,
1: how could I just always do that? Just I know, it's right? Ten cards, like that. In EDH, I'm like, oh, I get it down to like three cards, and that's where like the the real you know tough decision comes. It's like ten cards and six. Like
2: there's so many. Yeah. So just keep building decks and brewing, and it just it'll get easier and easier. And obviously, you can just be like, I'm just gonna play all the fetches and all the shocks, and it'll be good, and that will be good. But there's if you don't still- understand why
1: why you're able to do that and why you're able to make the decision for not running other lands. Yeah. Then it kind of defeats the purpose altogether. Like yes, if you're playing like for EDH, if you're playing five colors, you put all ten fetches and every single dual land that makes
2: up for the rest yes. of the
1: difference.
2: <laughs> but just not like a bad idea. Just like Gary was saying earlier, you have to know the deck. So you know yep. which colors it leans into heavier, which lands to fetch for and all that stuff if you need to shock it in right now or if you can just wait because you don't have the color right yeah now or how something. quickly
0: you need it how quickly you can get to it
2: yeah and so it all just synergizes
0: together and i think the biggest takeaway for this discussion is that you need to play more magic okay building decks <laughs> okay let's go uh building decks is great looking through deck lists also great but you have to play them because one time of playing it and getting one result or the other is just not enough data to inform a decision. Like you just have to play magic. And it feels weird for a magic podcast to tell you that. (laughs) But as a guy who for the last 10 years has been consuming magic content and magic as the game, I don't play enough magic. You know what I mean? Like you, I love reading about magic. I love watching magic content. I love looking at fucking cards and building decks (laughs) And I do love playing magic, but it's the least easy thing to do because you got to go somewhere and interact.
2: Round up some people. But like (laughs)
0: that's the whole point and it's the only way to inform any of your decisions. So since this is our end of year episode, I want everybody to ring in the new year with their own little New Year's resolution to, sure, build more decks and and buy more dual lands. But play more fucking magic, baby. I think. One thing that
2: everyone should try and do in this coming year is to play a new format. Yeah, I agree. And it'll just change how you look at Magic and how you see and play it. Yeah, all of the dead formats? Tiny leaders? Don't know about dead formats, especially not tiny leaders, RIP. But just like, I'm not saying go build a tier one modern deck, but maybe just jump into Popper. I don't know about Popper, but I think Pioneer is a great spot. There's a lot of budget standard decks.
0: I mean, if you don't go to pre-releases, go to a pre-release. Pre-release. If you're a commander guy and you kind of stay away from the rest of it, pre-release should be your spot. Yeah. It's awesome. We love them. Yeah. You get cool cards and it's kind of that excitement of opening things up. But like you said, you look at magic differently. When you have four people and a million fucking cards and a million turns to get there, things seem less important. But when it's one V one and you each have 40 cards and I mean I guess, you know, sealed, it's a little slower, but like all of these 1v1 formats are just so much faster than commander. You start to evaluate everything differently. Yeah. And with so that I,
2: I
1: also would encourage anyone and everyone if you haven't played arena and you have access to it, yes, get on, play and for a lot of people we have a fair amount of new players that listen and I strongly encourage you to go draft on arena. Yeah. To me, I mean like I It's kind of like a a no shit coming from me because drafting is my favorite thing to do in Magic. It's the best. But, like, you are not going to get punished aside from, like, the gold you put in or whatever. But, like, drafting on Arena is the best introduction that you could get. Just, I mean, it's just... Arena is the most accessible place for people to play. It's free to play for the most part. You know, like, that's, like, the asterisk, you know, like, look below and see all the, the details. But... Like, you have the opportunity to draft in a place that, you know, you're not getting pressured on. You don't have people counting. You know, it's not like you're down at the shop and they're cubing and there's, you know, 20 people in in the room. There's yeah, there's a the lot less pressure. Like, you know, it's like, you're not playing in a, a tournament. Yeah, you're going to play against real people, which you always should be playing against real people. But you have the opportunity to say, okay, I want to build, you know, a deck based on the cards that I'm picking. And then you get to evaluate cards. You get to, like, make the choices for what goes into your deck and really kind of learn from a different perspective that you just
2: literally can't get anywhere else yeah and i think in addition to that just play more of a color that you never play Mm -hmm. like i will play more oh wait i will play less grixis yeah (laughs) (laughs) i need you to play less orzhov less grixis need Play more green, Drew. Play more green. I'll, I'll try and play is, less red, but...
0: I was going to say, <laughs> I bu- I built color. a mono red Pioneer deck and mono, well, just red in general is my least fucking favorite color, but there's just so many merits to find in the deck and I'm, I'm growing fonder and fonder of it as I play. Yeah. I think yeah. I
2: need to play more blue. I've got a blue Pioneer deck, I but I only have an blue. Is it? Yeah. You need Commander to a deck. Yeah. You definitely need to play more blue. No, I, I guess need say I've got Bant. Damn it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
1: Bant is something that
2: I mean, I play too much red and too much green, so I'll I'll try and steer. I need to play more more Grixis. We need to get you into Esper. <laughs> or yeah. Well, not, yeah. We need
1: to get you into Esper yeah, control. I guess, yeah,
2: I guess Esper control that's it is what we
1: need. And let's see. Gary I mean you need to not play stop black. Stop black. playing, yeah.
0: playing Soul Tide. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> no. I'll stop playing Soul Tide. but I'm not going to stop you playing You were playing black. Boros. <laughs> uh, I've actually thought about Naya and Selesnia. It feels not only like color wise so different than what I play, but also like. Vorthos, see different. You know what I mean? Like, it's way more on the brighter, lighter, heroic <laughs> side. I'm like, it and kind of thing, it seems cool. Yeah. What'll it be like to not have Demonic Tutor in a deck? Oh, God. It'll be and wicked. Not cool. no graveyard. That's the thing is the graveyards. Like, once things die, I'll be like, oh, see, no. See, that's that's It's just Gone. a shift in mentality. It's like, I don't care. <laughs> yep. Although if you're playing white,
2: you can get a lot of stuff back.
0: Yeah. They'll be playing green but But, st- again, you start to think about your deck and your mana base and your cards and all of it differently because you have to think differently when you do that. So I totally agree with that. I think play different colors, play different decks, play different formats. And not just play them, but actually commit to them. Yeah. Make the yeah. deck,
1: like especially as a commander player, like make the new deck and commit to playing it. Like it's, It sounds obviously like fucking scary. Just like I just spent $100 plus into a deck, but... Really
2: take the time to figure out what you're interested in, commit to it, and play with it.
0: And pay attention while you're playing.
2: Yeah, and this next year is going to be an awesome year for Commander, so there's going to be a lot of jumping on points. Yeah, Yeah, for sure.
1: And I think that we have the opportunity to, one, be a magic podcast that, you know, it's easy for us to just say, hey, go do this and, you know, hope people really take off with it. But it's another thing entirely to be a part of the community and to actually be the people doing exactly that. Yeah, to take helping part in everyone that. out. So I think that that's something that we can do going forward is, you know, lead by example and continue to do so as a podcast, not just talk about it. Because it's great to just talk about it, but we actually need to, I guess, kind of prove our involvement in the community. Because, yeah, we've got like pictures and shit of us, but how much of that is actually us playing and demonstrating and coaching and teaching people about magic and like actually teaching people how to play. So I think that that's kind of one of the first things we'll jump off with this next year is actually teaching people how to play. We have new players. We have people who are asking us how, you know, how do you get into magic? How do you start playing? I think that that's a good point to jump off with as we continue next year as just how to play. Like yeah. actually do a breakdown and explain why it is that we, we love the game, but how how to play.
0: Yeah, how it's done. Uh, I've actually had non-magic people ask me that very thing. Like, so, so do you guys ever talk about like how to do it? Because I don't know what, what to do. And I'm like, you know what? We haven't done that. Yet. Yeah, you it's, know, that's a
1: good idea. idea. Yeah, it's yeah. weird, right? Because people will ask me, like, well, what's your podcast about? And I'm like, well, it's about beer and, you know, the game magic gathering? And they're like, you know, it sounds really cool, but, like, I don't know how, how it I works. I don't know like, anything I, about like, that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I listen for, like, the first 10 minutes, and then I don't really know what, what happens, in the rest, but I don't understand anything. It's like, I know what beer is, uh, but <laughs> what is a vorthos? Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> i just like, Grixis? You, you talk <laughs> about, <laughs> it's like, you say words that I think are technically English, but I don't understand. Like you put two words together and I know a, and I know B, but what is AB? <laughs> what is a land? Yeah. In the context that you're saying, <laughs> it, it doesn't make it like you have land,
0: but you don't have a land. Yeah. So we're, de- we're definitely going to try and kick off the new year with some more, not necessarily just basic, but more involved entry level stuff because I think it's important. Like I said, for our community, um, I think that about wraps it up for this episode. It about wraps it up for this year. Whoop, whoop. Uh, We are rolling back into the roaring 20s. (laughs) Side note for you guys, my parents' house turns 100 years old. Weird. uh, This year, so it's going to be wild built before the great depression yeah dude it's, it's an old ass house <laughs> uh, but i think that's enough from us for now thank you guys so much for listening we wanted to wish you guys that happy holidays like all that and of course
3: happy new year
0: yeah happy new year for molly uh, as we like to say on this podcast have fun but not too much
3: Drink responsibly, and don't drink a drive, but play magic.
2: Oh, yeah. You heard it from the seven. Nope. Those are words we live by. <laughs>